But we are excited. We are now embarking on part two of our sermon series, The Letters of John. And so we are excited about this uh, series. We have just completed week one of successful grace groups. Can we get excited for grace groups? Amen. Amen. And so if you're not a part of it, you have an opportunity. Uh, today is the last day I was in the office. I said, okay, I'm going to open them up for one more day uh, so you can be a part of our grace groups. We are just excited. Our leaders are excited. I've received so many emails. I'm still working through all my emails about the testimonies of excitement uh, that many of you have expressed and even leaders have expressed. And so we're excited for what God is doing. So we're going to continue in our series, The Letters of John. Pastor Ray uh, shared on 1 John chapter 1. And so today we're going to talk about chapter 2 of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 28. And we're going to read verse 28 and 29 because I believe these two verses actually summarize the entire chapter of uh, chapter 2. So 1 John chapter 2, starting here at verse 28, and it reads as this in the English Standard Version, and it reads as this, and now, dear children, remain in fellowship. Excuse me, I have the wrong one in my own Bible. Sorry about that. Okay, so, and now, little children, abide in him so, you, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. The next verse. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Everyone say amen. amen. So I would like to tag this, this subject, uh, the, tag this text with this subject. Are you ready? Everyone shout, are you ready? Are you oh, come on. Y'all can say it better than that. Say, are you ready? Well, one of the greatest days of my life is when I accepted the Lord. And the next greatest day of my life is when I married my wife on August 3rd, 2019. See, I remember the date. There you go. And so uh, I, after I proposed, we began planning our wedding and we started talking about what we wanted our wedding to look like. And uh, alongside all the fun preparation I did with my wife, I, one of the things I enjoyed uh, as well is preparation for the wedding day with my father. Uh, alongside my dad sharing his wisdom about being a godly husband, my, my father is also a fashion stylist. So I was excited about this and my father wanted to sure that I was dressed well. In his words, he wanted to make sure I looked sharp enough uh, for the big day. So, so my father designed my tuxedo I wore at my wedding. He got it custom made and he helped me get dressed on my wedding day and everything to ensure I was ready. So, so on, that, on the day before the wedding, we had wedding rehearsal and uh, I, I, they were telling me what my cue was to be on stage so I could be in position to receive my bride. So, so on the wedding day, after I got dressed, I, I, the assistant wedding coordinator came in my dressing room and said, okay, it's time for you to get ready. So we got ready and I stood behind the stage and she said, okay, I want you to stand here and get ready. So, so I, I was behind the stage and I was ready to receive my wife. I knew that after my grand, our grandmothers and our mothers walked down the aisle, I knew that that was my cue to be on stage, to be ready to receive my bride. I knew that was my time because of rehearsal. I knew that that was my time. And my wedding coordinator, assistant wedding coordinator said, no, it's not your time to go on stage. 
I, I started to see, okay, my, my grandmothers walked down, our mothers walked down the aisle, and now I'm starting to see the bridal party walking down, and I'm not on stage uh, to receive my bride. Everybody else is coming up, but I'm not there. I'm not in place. In, in that moment, I recognize and I learned that you can be dressed well and ready, but if you're not in position, you're not really ready to receive what God has for you. Well, what are you saying, Pastor Rodney? The Apostle John is sharing that Christ is coming back, and if you're not dressed in position, you're not really ready for his return. In our text this morning, the Apostle John is writing to believers who are the bride of Christ, encouraging them to get ready for Christ's return as he receives his bride. As you can assess the letters of John, he is very concerned about our fellowship and our closeness with the Lord. The whole purpose of 1 John is to communicate key elements of intimacy with God, obedience, walking in righteousness with God, submission to the truth, functioning together in love with other believers. He is preaching intimacy with God because it's only through intimacy with God that we'll be in position to be ready for Christ's return. So in chapter one, excuse me, in this chapter of first John, he communicates three things that we need to do in order to be ready for Christ's return. Are you ready for them? Number one, he says we need to know him. Everybody shout, I need to know him. Yes, I, I know him. That's the first thing he says in this text. Well, one thing I've continued to recognize about this Christian life and this Christian walk is that you can know of God and know about God and not know him personally. Let me say that one more time. I say it is possible for us to know of God and know about God and not know him personally. So some of us in this room, uh, some of us know God by reputation. We, we may have heard of God a, a little bit. We perhaps come to church a few times. We may be a CME Christian, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. Uh, that some, some of us are those type of Christians. We may have even heard of the Bible stories or our favorite Bible verse may be on our refrigerator. And maybe even our grandparents or our parents made us say grace or pray to God before we went to bed. That is only secondhand. Some of us know God by reputation. Some of us know God by memory. We've experienced the goodness of God. We've experienced the grace of God. We experienced his love in the past. Recently, my wife and I, we went to my, my college homecoming, and I saw some of my classmates, and I bumped into them. And, and, I, and, I, and when I saw them, I knew them years ago, but I can't say I know them now. The reality is some of us know God by memory. We know him in the past, but we don't know him in the present. So, so some of us know him by memory, some of us know him by reputation, but there's some of us who know God intimately. This is the kind of knowledge of God that's in 1 John. He's expressing. He said, I want you to have a thirst and a desire to know me intimately, which means one-on-one. That's between you and God. 1 John is showing us that intimacy with God is not just about believing in God. It's about knowing God. Because belief isn't the same thing as personal knowledge. Second James 2, James 2 says in verse 19, he says, Even the demons believe in God, and yet they tremble because they know that they are relationally separated from him. So, so obviously there is more to this Christian life than just believing in God. Our text says in verse 4, If someone claims I know God but does not obey God's commands, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, and I quote, He said, It is possible to believe in God but live like he doesn't exist. 
Let me say that one more time. It is possible for us to believe in God and live like he does not exist. We believe in God, but our lives don't reflect what he really is. Truly knowing God involves our commitment to obey what the scriptures tell us. A call to loving and knowing God is a call to loving obedience. Everybody shout loving obedience. Yeah, I didn't just say obedience to God. Rather, I said loving obedience to God. Our love for God is always a response to his love for us. And when we obey God, it's not to do him a favor. Neither is it the way for us to receive favor from God. The gospel of obedience and the result of a deeply thankful heart is what God has done for each and every one of us. Now, 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 we must understand that there are two aspects of obedience when we're getting to know God. There is religious obedience and there's God-centered obedience. Let me say that one more time. There is a religious obedience and there is gospel-centered obedience. Religious obedience says this, I obey God, therefore I'm loved and accepted by God. This is when I, I read my Bible and I try to live a good life, a spiritual life. I'm active in the church and I think that is why God loves me and accepts me. This type of obedience believes that spiritual performance determines God's relationship with me. That is religious obedience. But while there's religious obedience, there is God or gospel-centered obedience. Gospel-centered obedience says, I am loved and accepted by Jesus Christ, therefore I obey. God has love for us and he sent it through his son, Jesus Christ. He accepts us as his children. His love and acceptance doesn't change the base of our spiritual performance, but his son is perfect. But because his love, his mercy is so great, and because of the worth of his sacrifice is immeasurable, we joyfully serve him in obedience. You know, the world wants us to believe that God loves and accepts me for who I am, so therefore I will do whatever I need to do. Can I tell you something? That's heresy. God's love shall humble us and make us joyful and willing enough to obey him to do what he says do. So, so, so not only does the apostle John is saying, if we really want to be ready, we need to know him. But, but next he says, I, I have to obey him. But, but, but secondly, secondly, not only do I need to know him, secondly, I need to abide in him. Everybody shout abide in him. Everybody shout abide in him. Verse, verse, verse four of our text, he says, whosoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfect. By this, we may know that we are what? In him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You know, uh, I, we live in this generation of cell phones. How many of y'all have a cell phone in this room? How many of y'all have a cell phone? If you have a flip phone, I'm praying for you. But uh, 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 the, the reality is we live in a cell phone generation. But, but I, I love going over my grandmother's house. And my grandmother, she is 85 years old. And uh, I, whenever I go over her house, uh, even though she has a cell phone, she has something called a landline. I don't know what in the world a landline is. Uh, whenever I go over her house, uh, my grandmother has two numbers. She has a landline number and she has a cell phone number. Uh, uh, 
my wife and I, we don't have a landline number. We just have a cell phone. That's all we have. And so, uh, but my grandmother, she has two, two, two devices. One of them, uh, she has to learn uh, to charge her cell phone. Uh, the, the other phone that she has, she actually has the landline where you actually like, uh, uh, I don't know if it's called the dial tone, where you just uh, have the button and the, you just got to ring it and everything. I think that is just so you have really had to have patience for that. Uh, so, so she has she has that one, and, and but 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 that landline is plugged into the wall at all time. She doesn't have to charge that one, but her cell phone she has to charge it. Now, if she goes out and don't charge it, it's dead. The cell phone needs to be charged. The landline is connected all the time. Can I can I can I tell you something? Let me say it again. The cell phone needs to be charged in order to work properly. The landline is always connected to ensure that it's always working. Christ does not want us to have a cell phone relationship with him. He wants to have a landline relationship with him. A, a, a cell phone means I'm going to abide in God to get my charge and then I'm going to disconnect. But God says, I want you to be connected to me. That means I abide in him. I'm fixed and I'm stable in him and I'm unmovable. That is what he wants. So, so not only does he call us to know him, he calls us to abide in him. Abide means to be stable, to be fixed in the love of God. The, the gospel of John 15, he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch can't bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. No one can say that, that, that ye abides in him. I am the vine and ye are the branch. He that abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, in order for us to bear the fruit that God wants to do in our life, that we must be connected to him. Abiding shows us three things. Three things it shows us. The first thing abiding shows us is that we are connected with Jesus. Everybody shall connect it with Jesus. Abiding in Jesus first means that we have a life-giving connection with him. A branch that is connected to the vine and a vine is connected to the branch. In this, we see theologians refer this to as union with Christ. Notice that this connection is a union. It's a mutual connection. If we abide in him, he abides in us. If there is no connection, there's no life and there's no fruit. The first thing it shows us about abiding is that we are connected with Jesus. Next, it shows us dependency on Jesus. Everybody shout dependency on Jesus. Uh, uh, abiding also applies abide, uh, dependence. This is the aspect of abiding. Unlike connections, it's not uh, reciprocal. The, the branch is dependent on the vine and the vine is dependent on the branch. The, the branch uh, derives its life from the power of the vine. But without the vine, the branch is useless, lifeless, and powerless. We are completely dependent on Jesus for everything we have in order to bear fruit. So, so not only do we have dependence on Jesus and connection with Jesus, next it is continuance with Jesus. Abiding means that I am continuing to be with him. To abide means to reside. To abide means to continue to stay and remain. 
as you as you know, we're approaching fall, and uh, and summer weather is leaving us, and so uh, it's very strange here in the office because um, all of my wonderful colleagues here at uh, Grace they 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 love this type of weather. Uh, in my office, I have the heat on; it is cold. Uh, I have a sweater on too, and so therefore, I don't like this kind of weather. Uh, and so the Lord gave me a wife that was from Texas, and so my my sister-in-law is also here from Texas, and so uh, one of the things about uh, Texas is that it is really hot and so uh, but here in Pennsylvania we have mild summers it, it gets mild it's not that hot it, but it gets extremely cold but but in Texas it's an ungodly heat that's why I'm glad I'm saying because I don't want to go to hell uh, so, so 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 that is the, it, it, it's, it's hot there and so one of the things I learned about Texas one of the things I learned about Texas is that everything has air conditioned everything has air conditioned the cars have air conditioned your house has air conditioned every building you go into has air condition. Now, I'm not a hot weather person, and, 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 and for that reason, I, 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 I understand what my wife uh, loves to do when we go to Texas. She loves to go out and about, but the people about Texas, uh, they love standing outside under the sun sometimes, uh, and, uh, but that's not me. So therefore, whenever I go outside, it's just to get from one place of air conditioning to the next. That's the only reason why I'm going outside. It's a place of transportation. I don't want to reside out in the sun. I just want to get out out of the sun to get into some air condition. But you know, my brothers and sisters, some of us can be like the, uh, what we do with the S-U-N, some of us do with the S-O-N. Some of us just want to pass through, but, but we, that's not abiding in Jesus Christ. We don't just pass through. Many of us, we, we, we treat the S-O-N like we do the S-U-N. We just want to not stay under the sun for a long time. We just want to just get a little bit of sun, get our vitamin D, and then get out. But the reality is, when we're with the S-O-N, he says, we want you to reside there. When you're under the S-U-N, you sweat when you are under that sun. But when, you, when you're under the S-O-N, yes, you should sweat. You should sweat pleasing God. You should sweat the word of God, and it should rub off on others. That is abiding in Christ, that we're stable, that we're fixed, that we're not going anywhere. So, so our text says in verse 28, he says, and now little children abided him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not strength from him in shame at his coming. As we look here at verse, uh, verse, verse 18, it says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming already. Have such Antichrist have appeared. Can I tell you something, my brothers? This, is, this text is letting us know that while Christ is coming, the Antichrist is coming as well. Matter of fact, what he's saying is the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. But what he's simply showing us here is that even though we are in the world, we should still abide in Christ. I don't know about you, but I used to grow up hearing the phrase, you can be in the world and not be of the world. I believe that is what 1 John is also talking about. When we abide in Christ, we can be in the world and not of the world we could be in the world and the world not be in us because we abide in Christ. Now, when John talks about the world, he's not talking about the planet Earth. He's talking about the organized systems headed by Satan that draws us away from abiding in him. First, John shows us that we can say that we love God. We, we, we cannot say that we love God and love the world. We cannot say we love God and love to feed our flesh. We cannot say we love God and we love our possessions more than him. 
You know, uh, one of the things my wife and I, we love to do, we have a routine in our house. Whoever cooks is the person they end up cleaning the dishes. And so uh, whenever we clean the dishes, uh, uh, we want to make sure the kitchen's clean before we go to bed. But there's sometimes, y'all, when we really tired. We really tired. We don't really feel like cleaning the dishes. And sometimes we, we leave the plates uh, in, in the sink. And so y'all know when you get up in the morning, sometimes the food on it is really hard. And it's hard to clean it in the morning. Sometimes we have an alternative. We like scrubbing it or we like soaking it in uh, a dishwashing liquid. Or sometimes we, we do all these different things. But, 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 but the reality is one of the things I learned is something very different. I don't like sitting uh, at the the, uh, sink and try to scrub all the stuff off of it. What I like to do is something a little different. I like to put a little dish soap in the sink and let the food that is on the plate just sit there for a little bit. And then take it out and then it just wipes right off. Can I tell you something? This, This is very interesting with our Christian life. Religion says scrape off the dirt. It's easy. It, 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 it takes them a little bit of time, but if you just get it all off, it just it takes a little work. You just got to get it all off. But soaking simply says it's, it's hot water, but if you just abide in it, it's going to be easy to remove all the impurities. What are you simply saying, Pastor Rodney? Some of us are trying to scrape off the different things in our life that's not of God. You try to do it on your own. But when we sit and abide in Jesus Christ... He said, all you got to do is abide in me. And God says, it will just wipe right on off. So, so, so not, not only does he say that I know him, I abide in him. The last thing the text shows us is that he says, we need to walk in the light. Everybody shout, walk in the light. Verse 7, he says, beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whosoever says he is the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whosoever loves his brother and abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Whosoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness. And does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Mike, can you do me a favor? Could you turn off the house lights for me? One of the things I, I, I come to recognize is that Christ has called us to be the light of the world. But one thing I, I, that really stuck out to me is that we're living in the last days as this text is showing us. Our grandfather, the late Bishop Milton L. Carter, he used to say that we're not living in the last days. We're living in the evening of the last days. Jesus is coming back soon. And it seems like the world is getting darker and darker and darker. And many people are screaming and hollering and saying, the world is getting darker. The world is getting dark. America is losing their relationship with Jesus Christ. People outside of the United States is getting darker for them as well. Can I tell you, it's been getting darker since 2000 years ago. It's just letting us know that Jesus is on his way. But one thing, I love, one thing I love about God is he tells us to walk in the light. But he's also called us to be the light. You really get the effects of the lights on the stage only in darkness. 
You don't get effects of the light when the lights are fully on. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? Christ has called us to love one another. And if Christ has called us to love one another, how all these lights complement each other, that's how Christ is saying we should love each other because we complement each other. And that those in the darkness be able to see the light. My question to you today is how are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you exemplifying and demonstrating unity and love so that those in the darkness may see the light of Christ? Or are you walking in darkness? Christ has called us to know him. He's called us to abide in him. He called us to walk in the light. Not just walk in the light, but be the light. As you're getting ready for grace groups this week, I'm excited because you're in community. As you're in community with one another, you are displaying the light of Christ. And I want you to continue to know him and to continue to abide in him. Because he could change your life around. Every eye closed, every eye closed. The, 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 the question is today, are you ready? I'm not asking you, are you ready because your mama made you come to the Lord? I'm not saying, are you ready because your daddy made you or your grandparents made you come to the Lord? I'm actually asking you, are you ready? I, I, have two, I have two calls this morning. I have two calls. I have two calls. The first, the first call is that you may be in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ on your own. As I said to you today, I said some of us know God by reputation. Some of us know God by memory. But there's some of us who know God intimately. If you're here today and you say, I only know God by reputation, I only know God by memory, but I don't have a relationship with him intimately. If you're here today and you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you could do me a favor, if you can raise your hand, every eye close. If you're, not he if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'll pray this prayer together. Father, I come. In need of Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize I need you. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again with all power in his hand. And today, I believe my life is brand new and I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. Can we give God praise? Can we give God praise? Amen. Amen. Every eye closed again. Continue. My second call, first call of salvation. The second call is that it's for those of you who say, Pastor Rodney, I want to get ready. I, I have not been in a position where I've been abiding in Christ. I, I feel like I have not been intentional with getting to know God more. If you're here today and you have a desire and a hunger and thirst 
for God and say, I want more of God. I want to get ready. If that's you, I want you to simply slip up your hand. If that's you here today, you say, Pastor Rodney, I feel like I need to get ready. I haven't been ready. I've been showing up to church. I've been showing up, but I haven't been living the life that God's called me to be. I see the hand. I see the hand. I see the hand. I see the hand. Amen. Thank you. Put your hands down. If we all could stand. I've shared this with you before. Our son is now at a place where he's like crawling all over the place. Whenever he wants something, he lifts up his hands. And that's when he wants us. That's a picture of us as children with the father. So if you're here today and you say, I want more of Jesus Christ, could you simply just stretch out your arms and start opening up your mouth right now and start asking for more of him. Open up your mouth and cry out to him right where you are. Cry out for him. Say, God, I want to know you intimately. As the deer panted for the water, God, allow our soul to long after you. Father, I come right now in the name of Jesus. God, we come with our hands lifted up and our hearts of adoration and thanksgiving for your son, Jesus Christ. God, we come, God, saying that we want more of you. We want to know you more like never before. God, we come not just believing in you, but God, we come saying, God, we want to know you. God, we want to know you, God. God, we want to have an intimate relationship with you. We don't want to know you by memory. We don't want to just know you by reputation, God. We want to know you intimately. And so, Father, God, give us a yearning and a desire to get in our word more, to pray more, to seek your face, to have a devotion, to have a desire to seek after you. God, you say if we seek after you, we, you will be found. So, Father, we come, God, seeking after you, asking, God, that we abide in you. God, allow us to be connected with you. Allow us to be dependent on you. So, God, that the fruit that you want to bear in our lives, God, to, that will begin to, uh, to grow in our lives. God, do that in us. God, do it for your glory and for your honor. God, that we will be that light, that we will walk in that light. God, that we will love our brothers and sisters. God, that we be that example. So other people can get ready to know you as well. So Father, I decree and declare over each person in this room, God, that you'll meet them in a special way this week. God, as they prepare to go to sleep, God, as they wake up in the morning, God, as they go about their day, God, that you will touch their heart and their mind. God, that you'll make them uncomfortable. God, that they will just come and run after you. Those who had a hardened heart, God, that you'll soften their heart right now in the name of Jesus. God, those who have replaced you, God, with things and possessions of this world, God, that you remove it in the name of Jesus. And God, that you give us a heart full of praise and a desire for you. God, this is our cry. This is our prayer. Because God, we want to be ready. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to be ready, can you give God a shout of praise? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we are grateful for you coming and worship with us this morning. As we continue with our series, The Letters of John, we pray that what you have heard today 
that you continue to just sit on this word throughout the week as you're in grace groups spend time in fellowship dive into the word of god and do life together if you have not signed up for a grace group they're still open until midnight tonight god bless you we'll see you next week